Hello everybody and welcome to the Paradise Podcast Network. My name is Corey Paradise and I will be your host for this evening. But before we get into the show, I just wanted to shout out my two co-hosts, Scott Borgstrom and Alfredo Garibay. They do a great job and they're with me here every week. And once again, they're here this week to discuss Prey 2006. Hope you enjoy the show. We'll see you in the next episode. You guys, uh, have either of you guys heard of Prey 2006? Or what, what is your extent of the title? Um, I just remember... Six, just the IP of Prey. Oh, just yeah, Prey I just, yeah, I just remember the Prey game coming out and you could be a juice box or something. And... <laughs> And that was it. I <laughs> never, never. I mean, that's a good thing to hear about, you know. Like, I would rather hear that than be like, "Oh yeah, praise like the shittiest game known to man," you know. Like, "Oh, you could be a juice box, dude." Fucking sign me up, man. Pray. No, um, the game where you can. I don't know, box. man. I, I've I've kind of <laughs> heard the same thing where it's like you just kind of be anything with that. Um, was it DLC for the new one? Right. It was like a new prey or new DLC for prey, something like that, where you could just transform into anything and like be what you want. Right. Yeah, that was um in the newest one in Prey 2017. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of a uh, you gain superpowers through the game in its own you know unique setting, and one of them is to be able to mimic or or to become a piece of the the environment, one of the things in the environment. So including mm-hmm. juice boxes, um, the that's <laughs> that's kind of the meme, but in the game. I think the the one the example they use the most in the game ends up being coffee mugs. Mm. Okay. Yeah, there's a whole sequence in the beginning of that game. And and you know, we kind of have the option here. We can either talk about Prey today and talk mm-hmm. about Prey 2017 next week or we could kind of just do both today and skip through the whole rigmarole of going through them. And kind of get to the nitty gritty bits of of both games and what they brought to the table, and kind of this whole history of Prey as it stands. It's, it's a very unique title, and it, and it was as I was doing my research and looking through it again today, I realized yeah, this could make just one big chunk, and it's it's be summarized. And if we want to return to it, we could and do mm-hmm. a little bit more in depth. But the full the full story from 1995, you know, on the development of of early 3d fps games all the way through to to last year was kind of the still the last big news for the title uh do you guys want to do it that way uh that's a good question um for the sake of my preparation let's not (laughs) for the sake of my preparation let's not um i i would rather cover 2016 today or 2006 excuse me because i've I've been like super curious to hear about that game ever since you showed it off to me mm-hmm. that For one sure. time what do you what do you think alfie yeah let's do that that's what you're more comfortable with i uh apart from reading the wikipedia twice mm-hmm. i have i don't know anything about pre-2006 where it began was was all the way back in 1995 originally prey wasn't really like a game it was more of a of a tech demo than anything. It was like the Unreal Tournament to the Unreal Engine. Prey was to the Prey Engine that 3D Realms was developing. So it really wasn't even a game. It was just a, a tech demo that was, at the time, very impressive. Um, and before I get really, really far into this, I got to take all the credit away of research from me and give it to this dude that runs this uh, website called the prey museum. It's, it's the Wikipedia page, but like 
on steroids. It's crazy. They got everything you can need. And so in 1995, you had, you know, you kind of have what was the start of 3D games, 3D first-person shooters on consoles at home, stuff like that was starting to actually kind of be realized. But the technology of what it could accomplish was still very limiting. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, think, think back to those games that you had that now are legendary. You know, Doom, Duke Nukem. Uh, Shadow Warrior, right? They're, they're, you go back and play them now, and it looks like a bunch of boxes stacked over each other with 2D textures, you know, and it's all 2D images. You can tell that by looking at it. Technology wasn't super advanced. Prey was kind of this bleeding edge game and development at the time that was pushing the envelope of like, what is what is conceivable what is doable what is what you know what can be done in a 3d world in a 3d environment what does it mean to think three-dimensionally as strange as it is prey was like everybody looked at this game when it came or not when it came out but when it was being like teased and this was it like this was like nothing beats prey praise the best people were blown away was the cyberpunk 2077 in, in, in a lot of ways it kind of was it, it, you know the hype of it wasn't the same the execution was like it was a game in, on execution it lived up to what it was trying to accomplish mm-hmm. but i mean it took a solid decade to get made the reason was and we'll go through this is that it it kind of had three starting points it had this area and then we'll get into a little bit of the the middle ground where a lot of the narrative of the game was cemented and developed on. And then you had your final iteration in the 2000s to get it to to launch on the Xbox 360 and the P, uh, PC. Mm-hmm. So it, it has this journey, it has a very long journey. Uh, we're going through some of those images now. I mean, you can see how old it is, man. Like, this is... <laughs> This is what we're looking at for 1995 computer hardware. Yeah, wow. And Oh my goodness. You know, since you're listening to it and can't see, we're looking at what, you know, we're basically looking at a bunch of block polygon images that have no anti-aliasing. <laughs> it's kind of the best way to put yeah, this. It- it's a bunch of um it's a lot of rooms and a lot of like um what we're looking at right now is like a lot of uh a lot of like triangles that look like christmas trees just pointing up towards the sky and it's oh dude it's it's so old you you forget that like games like this used to exist and just like this was just it you know right this is very um god there's, what's that one game uh grim fandango looking you know yeah or or you could even equate this to like which came out it's a little like- bit later what i was gonna say it reminds me of legacy of kane just a specific screenshot and it's got you know purple walls and very mm. drab like sorry there's like purple areas i can't even make out what yeah it, it almost looks like it's aura or something it's weird yeah there's definitely with these games there's like a beauty in motion when you actually have the full context and you're like okay i could buy that that's hell yeah behind yeah. There. <laughs> yeah but you know one of the things that you're looking at this uh, I look at this and I see a lot of Resident Evil, personally. Ooh, I see a lot of yeah. that, like, what's going to come out on the PS1 a little bit later. 
you can start to see that tech here because again this is in 1995 and you gotta look at what's going on in the image as well it's a bunch of triangles that look like christmas trees there's a lot of purple like hues and, and auras floating around but the biggest thing is that there's a lighting engine there's a lighting engine in this game that is actually working as intended on three-dimensional objects moving in space and we oh, can't yeah, there see it is. you can you can see it and you can see it at work in the screenshot over on the left hand side if you divide it into you divide it into quadrants on the bottom left quadrant towards you know the middle of it mm -hmm. so very light shadows there and so that was kind of part of one of the things that this game was boasting was an engine that could do lighting in a three-dimensional like environment on the fly so that you could uh one of the things they talked about in development oh you know this might be later i might be crossing interviews there's so many interviews for this game i think i'm crossing timelines um but you can start to see newer technology that hasn't been done before you go back and play those old dune games and it's just all brightly lit there's no depth of field there's no shadows in that type of sense unless they're hard baked into the animations and so this game floated around for a little bit in development uh it wasn't until 97 and 98 that the game really kind of was shown off to the world in any sort of real sense uh they showed it off at e3 for those two years and it's funny man going back and looking at eight e3 footage from 1998 is a is a crack up dude here, let me find one of these interviews from 1998. You can, and we can, oh, you can see it moving. You can see the game actually like working. Oh, man. I know this is going to be different, like way different from the final product, too. Oh, very so different. I think, <laughs> oh, God, immediately this is different. Immediately this is like, this is okay. 90s in a nutshell. So uh, you can't hear it, listeners, and it's because I'm muted, but you guys can still hear it, yeah? I think yeah. For that short second. Yeah. Okay. So the guy that we're looking at here, uh, on the left side of the screen, is Paul. Can't say his last name. He, we'll just call him Paul. He's the one that picked it up. So as the game was developing through 95, 96, it kind of had a little bit of an outline. It had a little bit of a story. But again, this game was made less for its game and more for its showing off of its engine's capabilities. When this guy came on, the guy on the left with a gnarly perm, it looks like, maybe that's just his hair, but he kind of took it and made it into a lot more of what we're going to know it as. So the ideas of alien abductions and the scenarios that he kind of posited at his time there went into making the game and we'll see this continued on down the road for what what eventually becomes the final release of Prey. So this guy is about to show us off <laughs> the footage of it. And just look just take in everything in this picture. <laughs> give us give us a running uh, a play by play for us. Oh my goodness. So currently they're um they're kind of just discussing um all the uh the fun that's happening internally with the game. Uh he's and he's gone ahead and pulled up the game so far. And man, this looks incredible so far. 
this is not what I was expecting. So it looks like a it is it is a first person shooter. Um, however, he's looking up. He's literally looking around, and that's not something that was you know previously done in like games like Doom and you know like Wolfenstein. So this this is already like super impressive. Um, he's shown an environment being blown off as well, like a, like a a building like being blown up. Oh man, okay. This gun he's using is also pretty sick. It's almost like a um like a, a grenade launcher that's yeah that's like spreading out i was looking for the word there but spreading out and leaving like a fire trail almost man that's great this is so crazy so far yeah so a lot of the technology that they're talking about at the time was like uh he he took this cool shock is like rocket shotgun and was shooting it and the rocket shotgun itself was like a cutting edge technology because the bullets don't travel in a predicted line or in the same line the bullets themselves are affected how the rockets would fly off so every single shot is different based on the different variables of the shot you know playing out that was new in itself and then he shot down some parts of the environment and those came crumbling down and those weren't just set pieces designed for that it was kind of this this showing off of this idea is that the whole world is built up on this you know, structure that you can manipulate and, and break down and blow up and into pieces. In 1998, this stuff was being developed. Man, that is insanely impressive. That is insanely impressive for the I time. Remember, I remember a Hulk game from like a, a while back boasting everything's destructible. Like in a Hulk game, you had to have that, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there was like some section that for some reason you couldn't destroy it. Everybody was harping on it. You can't destroy this building. This building really fucking sucks. This game fucking sucks. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the that's the caveat for not having you know everything in your game being destructible. Kind of, kind of face that backlash. Well, and I, I don't think like really like I don't even think we still have truly completely destructible environments. Maybe Battlefield kind of hit that in their multiplayer stuff. Um. And and I think there was actually a game that literally like released earlier this week that is kind of built on this that every single piece of the world is is destructible and movable. Or what was that? Um, what was that roguelite that had the? Ooh. Remember talking about that each pixel was simulated and you could affect it. You bought. Oh it. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I remember, I know what you're talking about. I have to look that up real quick. But no, I do know what you're talking about. Um, the game that came to mind for me immediately was um Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, um, where you could literally like slash buildings like in half. You know, you could break the environment as much as you wanted to. Hmm. You know, and that that was a really cool um you know thing about that game, right? Like if you hated a trash can, you could just cut it. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't just about cutting the trash can, though. The, yeah. For Rising, it was like in any message. conceivable fucking, let's say that there's a line between the two points of my fingertips. Yeah. Like you had full control over it. You could choose how, like, which way to slice. And, and that's mm-hmm. where your cut would be, like to a T. That's, that yeah. was like the big thing about it. And then they had the, I remember the trailer literally, it had him like going up on a table with watermelons and cutting the watermelons different ways. I'm not joking. That was a legit thing Kojima did. Yeah. Ridiculous. But I mean, but very cool. This very is technology. Cool. This is ideas and stuff that is still being developed 20 years later. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This is the beginning of that technology 
is in this game is in this game it does it's not even owned by 3d realm like it's not even in their c- control anymore but it all yeah. started here in 1996 and 1995 play a little bit more of this okay they they show off a lot of the stuff that they show off during this is the ability to put more on the screen and do more with the engine and push it to the max while trying to keep it on consumer friendly uh pcs and hardware and it's so funny to hear them talk about this stuff in 1998 when they're talking about like you know the real hardcore gamers or the or the real hardcore consumers are going to be the ones that are keeping up with technology and you know the people that enjoy this as a hobby are constantly updating and it's like nothing has changed since yeah <laughs> forever it's always been the same with pcs it's yeah. just funny to hear them talk about that stuff <laughs> and then you see this <laughs> you know and you're like <laughs> yeah this like blocky mess of like kind of decent like textures and here they're showing off that wow. portal technology so this is in 1998 wow. they're using what is what you would imagine like portal from from steam from valve uh-huh same exact type of technology, the same exact type of stuff you would imagine seeing. They're pulling it off here in 1998. Oh, goodness. And what they're showing is that the you can manipulate the portals in all three dimensions. So that it's not it's not like a texture on a wall or, you know, a gimmick, like a picture or something that they're they're faking you. No, it's a real portal that you can interact with that can be manipulated in all directions. Man. They even show the idea of like portals as they would uh, making two portals and being able to create them at any given point and shoot through them and interact with them like a portal would. I mean, Mm -hmm. everything that you can imagine in Portal 2006 or in Portal, yeah, 2008, but the original Portal released by Valve, anything you can imagine in that game is essentially possible with what they were attempting to create in in this iteration of the game. It it makes me wonder if um the developers for Portal ended up looking at like interviews like this and going, you know, when they were making Portal and going, okay, maybe we can, you know, expand on that idea, maybe not like actually shoot through it, but what if we can like stick portals to walls and then, you know, walk through it, mm-hmm. right? Um obviously they could not have the same functionality of having a portal on a moving surface, right? Um but it does still intrigue me to see if that like if this was the the building block, right, for for Portal's influence of sorts. Well, it absolutely was, um, uh-huh. but probably not in the manner that you, not, probably not in the direct correlation that you imagine in your head. This type of stuff, this Portal technology was brand new, literally cutting edge technology. When they talk about it in other interviews, they talk about what they're doing with Prey as being next century technology already they're they're developing for technology that doesn't exist yet they're they're Mm -hmm. developing for 2000 2001 tech with what they're trying to accomplish here they are just kind of ahead of the game at this point waiting for everything to catch up and that is ultimately where this development of this uh of this version of prey kind of peters out is in that weight in that desert of technology um, as they developed the game further, as people were very interested in seeing the development of it, it turns out that the technology for portals is hard, man. Especially when you don't have anything to base it off of. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, they were they were really like going at it like gung ho, you know, for this game, and I I truly like admire them for at least reaching as far as they did for a lot of this stuff. 
Um, and it did end up making its way into the final product somehow, right? These portals. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but here's the funny thing, right? So mm-hmm. Steam and Valve and Portal came out with all this stuff and you alluded to maybe they went back and were looking at this tech and trying to come up and using it as influence for puzzles and stuff. The reality is all of this technology was common in every single engine after 2004. Really? Yeah. While in, in 1995 and 1998, this stuff was cutting edge, was brand new. It, it sparked something, and, and as technology grew really fast, it became very common to have portal technology just in the engine. Whereas before, nothing had been able to do this because it needed the engine to run this specifically. You know, it was a very proprietary thing that very quickly became much more common and used. So, like, to bring it full circle, they... 3D Realms created portal technology, developed it, and it ultimately was the cause to the end of development for Prey because the portal technology was too difficult. It it mm-hmm. was harder to make it a real thing. They wanted to have a real portal gun, like portal. Shoot over there, shoot over there, walk on through. That was a design element. They wanted yeah. that. And they wanted all these different things. But by the time you get to actually realizing them on a 1998 hardware, it doesn't work. It just doesn't. It doesn't work, and it caused the game to uh, stop development, and it it floated out in the ether for a while. Man, man, that is actually insane. I did not know that part about the um, 2004 with portal technology. That's crazy. All I know is that at some point that it became so common that. Um, you know, as it floated in the ether, got worked on here and there. And then a little bit later in 2000s, it got locked down again and started development. When that happened, 3D Realms said, well, let's just license our, an engine and use it to develop the game. Mm-hmm. So the, the studio that made portal technology, that realized its existence into video games and how it could work, and the game that originally housed the original in iterations of portals eventually licensed those the technology to build their game from it is software oh and they were using a, a version of id tech to make their game man okay okay they just they just moved around all the companies then that's kind of <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is kind of why I wanted to, you know, it kind of works to just talk about all the versions of the game at once uh-huh. because they licensed their engine from id and used it to develop Prey. Prey comes out. It's well received. It did really well, actually. It was announced to have a sequel on the way. Sequel started development. It got an iOS game, old school iOS games, not like new ones, but like. Remember like Flip Deck or whatever Finger Deck, you know, the, it was like yeah. a skateboarding game. There was like mm-hmm. old, old iOS games. There was a mm-hmm. Prey old iOS game. Jeez. Well received. And then in 2009, I believe it was, 3D Realms uh, was acquired by ZeniMax. 
And ZeniMax, as we all know, is the owners of Bethesda Studios and anything under that web, mm-hmm. which includes id Software. So the studio that made Portal Technology eventually went so far down the line of development that they just licensed somebody else's technology with their own portals in it to make their game. That The company they licensed from was id Tech. They sold their company or they sold their IPs to the company that owns id Tech. That is a little, that's a little confusing. A little confusing. A Let me take that's it a, a step lot. further. ZeniMax then gave the studio that was working on a new space game already separate, Arcane Studios, gave them the ability to take the title. So they were like sitting in a boardroom trying to come up with a title for their game. And they were like, want to use Prey? And like, it's a pretty fucking good name. And they're like, take it. And they're like, okay. And so they <laughs> took it. And that's how, that, is the, that is literally how Prey got its name. They took some things here and there. They developed a bits and pieces of the new Prey to kind of reflect and pay homage to the old Prey. But it's a completely different ball game. Like the new yeah. Prey in 2017 is a different IP, a different like it was game. Not made with the original in mind at all. At all. It is a completely different game. Like to its truest form. Mm-hmm. Completely a reimagining. And they're both I was about to say they're both good games. I played the original Prey 2006. It's an okay game. And when you look at the rest of 3D Realms like library of games, it's definitely not at the top of their list in terms of their their titles. But it is this like necessary stepping stone. And I think that the Prey 2017 is a much better title. Like a much better game in totality um but again it's a very different game and and i want to talk about that one i have so much to talk about that one i love that game uh but that's not what we're going to talk about we're going to we're going to turn it back and we're going to talk about the first half of all of this and, and talk about prey 2006 a little bit more and get into the get into a little bit of the story so you know we've gone through the development of it i don't want to go through it like professor layton it's not as complex or needing as Professor Layton. But I'll touch on it a little bit because it is a little, it is kind of an interesting concept in the oversaturated genre of alien everything, right? Because mm-hmm. I feel like aliens is kind of in, encompasses this place as zombies now, where you have to do something really interesting with zombies to make it. To you know, to hold interest, you can't just do your standard zombie story anymore. You know, it's got to be, it's got to have some twists and turns. Yeah, it's got to have some nuance to it that nobody else has has tackled yet. And so, with aliens, it's kind of the same thing. Like, you can only go through so many like the aliens come and attack and we fight them off kind of stories. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's why Prey 2006 is kind of a really cool breath of fresh air when it comes to the alien, uh, the alien abduction story. Mm-hmm. All right, Jeez, so man. let's get into the story of Prey, and and I'm gonna keep it shorter than Layton because I listened to the Layton episode and I hated listening to it. Uh, so <laughs> we're gonna keep it a little bit shorter and kind of hit more upon the the bigger narrative points of this of the whole thing. Um, 
let's start out from the beginning because the intro to it is uh, is important to get us into everything. And it, it opens up with uh the game opens up with Tommy, who we end up playing as throughout the entire game, who is Cherokee Native American. And he we we he looks up into the mirror, and that's how we begin the game, is looking at our reflection, looking at technology of showing reflection in a mirror. Uh, but that's how we start the game. We look into the mirror of a bar, and uh, Tommy says to himself something along the lines of getting out of, out of there, getting out of the nation, getting out of the, the reservation, getting getting off of the reservation, starting life somewhere new. He wants to leave uh, the Cherokee behind, and but he can't do it without his girlfriend, Jen, who is running the bar. So we exit out of the bathroom, go into the main bar. We meet our grandfather, Nissi, and that's kind of the main cast that we need to worry about for now. Uh, there's a couple of dudes at the bar that catcall Jen, and like any any boyfriend would do, we pick up a, a freaking pipe wrench and beat them within an inch of their life. Yeah, why is a pipe wrench just sitting at a bar? Oh, because Jen gave it to us because we left it there last time. Oh, well, that was nice of her. That was nice of her. <laughs> that's, the, that's the explanation. We left. Convenient and nice. I think she says, leaving your greasy tools all over my bar, Tommy. <laughs> yeah, that's... Not an Indo or anything, no. And then we take our it's not an Indo at all. Even some dudes. Uh, but we do. We end up we beat some greasy dudes. We do. Oh, we beat them dude. within an inch of their life. They're lying on the floor, and Jen's like, "What, Tommy? What are you doing, Tommy?" I don't know why a Cherokee <laughs> sound like that, but she gets mad at us, and we're like, eh, 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 eh. "Like this, you, this is the way. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way." But we're like, what are you talking about? Like, isn't that what men do? Don't we? I'm protecting you, Jen. And before she can really protest, uh, a car parked in the back of the bar gets picked up by a beam of green light that shoots down out of the sky. And, it, you know, the car alarm goes off. And you hear it kind of float over the building and then come crashing into the bar in the back where you had just come from, from, you know, the bathrooms and such. Mm. And before you can even really kind of get an understanding of what's going on, the radio turns on in the corner and starts playing. Don't fear the reaper as the green light beams down on you from above, tearing off the roof and you get beamed up into the spaceship proper. And, uh, and that's how the game begins. I mean, one hell of a start to a game. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> It's it's a pretty good me it's a very memorable one. It's no, absolutely, absolutely. I don't know another game where you uh, pick up your greasy wrench from your girlfriend, beat some greasy dudes, and then get picked up in a greasy spaceship. I mean, I can, I can. I bet you I could find two of them on Steam right now. Oh, I'm gonna have to hold you to that. I'm gonna have to hold you to that one. You might, you might not <laughs> like what you find. It's uh, Steam. I'm not gonna like anything I find. But go on. <laughs> oh. Going the opposite. Normally, it's Epic Games that can't do anything <laughs> good, but Steam? I've hated them since the beginning. Yeah, they're the worst, man. No. Uh, so where do, where, do we, where do we take off after that? Well, we get beamed up into the ship. Uh-huh. 
And it's at this point, like, there's a lot of themes in the very beginning that they that they try and hit upon to carry out. Like, Tommy, first thing he says is, I got to get off the reservation. I got to get out of here. He gets his wish granted. He's he's off he's off the reservation now, Tommy. Say that like he got voted out. You're out of the reservation, Tommy. But it was just one guy and one wrench out. Which well, I mean, essentially, this is what it is. If you want to bare bones of this, yeah. See, it's actually an allegory. The aliens are Americans, and we're coming. Oh, oh I see. I see you. I see you. No, they. So there's that. Like, there's already that kind of. Quality, you know, storytelling. Tommy wants to leave. Here's your wish, Tommy. You're leaving. You're going to outer space. But there's also kind of there's minor things there that were in development of the original game that you see now within an engine that can do it, just like all the other engines. So it's not necessarily interesting, but it is still like the fruition of what they worked on coming you know, to the end of things or what they worked on coming to fruition. Right. Like when the, when the beam shoots down and, and picks us up into the spaceship, it tears apart the roof of the bar. And that's kind of hearkening back to that technology I showed you guys before the break of mm. the, of the destructible environments and stuff like that. We're seeing it here. It's just in an engine that could already do it. It's not the bleeding edge anymore, mm-hmm. but there it is. Yeah. Now, Still there. Still there. Where we go. I've told Scott, Scott's seen this where we mm-hmm. go is not a very fun place. <laughs> oh, putting that lightly. To to put off what we would learn way later in the story and just make sense now. We didn't go to a spaceship. Not in the sense that we're used to thinking about it. Mm-hmm. We instead were taken aboard what is a giant mass in space called the Sphere. And it is essentially a living Dyson sphere. Whereas the structure around it is both organic and spacecraft. Mm. And the sun to the Dyson sphere analogy, our sun in this equation is a living circular mass. You told me. I just remembered it. So... I think this concept alone is really interesting because I've never, I've never heard of something like this before in any, in any piece of media, but a a actual spherical thing that orbits around a central living mass. And it's like working around it to keep that mass alive and, and going, but also siphoning its energy. Oh, that's an interesting place to go, man. That's that's not like so the first thing I I picture when oh the typical alien abduction story, obviously you go to the spaceship and they go, Oh, we want your brains, right? Or they dissect you, right? I thought I thought it was the probing. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. It's following the general lines. But like this this is taking a whole different direction, right? And right. I've seen some of it when you played it. This is taking a whole different direction. A whole different direction. All different direction, and I'm I'm here for it, man. I'm here for it. 
so now that we know that the thing that we're aboard is called the sphere, the question uh. becomes is why we're aboard it or, or why did we get abducted? What is their purpose? And like you just said, a lot of the reasons could be involved with like, I want your brains or I want, you know, to probe you and learn from you or, or something like that. Send you back, whatever, you know, take your embryos and eggs, stuff like that. Yeah. This version does none of that. And instead we find ourselves aboard this ship, aboard the sphere. And we are, we become monsters, ink doors. <laughs> Attached to these swinging, like, slabs that are going through the ship. Right, right. And as we swing through them, I mean, imagine the Monsters, Inc. doors and how they swing around. Now, just imagine a dude can hold on to the door. That's what we are. We're, we're being swung around this facility just like that. And next to us is Jen and our grandfather, Anisi, all of us abducted. And we're swinging through this facility just, and as you swing through, you come across and you see these like vistas or essentially like, you know, these, these landscapes that are just lines and lines and lines of these frames that ostensibly have more people aboard and he mm -hmm. just goes on and on and you can just see it keep going and going. But the game has to begin at some point. Of course, and as good a place as any is while we're swinging along these uh these door frames, and it's not us that gains control. We actually, as we're swinging through, we see what we kind of now know to be a rebel group, and this is the first time we see them. It's one dude, and he places a bomb on a pillar that's holding up this room that we're in, and when it goes off the explosion reaches us in the room as well, knocking us free and giving us mobility to wander around the ship. Mm -hmm. First thing we got to see, not two steps later, we walk down a corridor and we see some dude come sliding in on that slab, go slide in. And then a thing comes sticking out of the wall and then just go, and just stab him a bunch of times right in front oh, of us. God. And that's exactly what Tommy says. <laughs> and so oh, then we walk man. around, we walk around this, like do this little U-turn and walk around the edge to the other side. And the body gets lifted up and goes away. Wow. Yeah. Way to, um, way to really immerse your players into uh, an environment. Nothing, nothing better than bodies getting stabbed repeatedly to really get you going on a new game. And he flies off. You know, we round a corner, that guy flies off. Come uh -huh. sliding in on the next slab is our grandfather. And we got nowhere else to go. We can't go any further. We got to sit there as we watch the thing come coming in from out of scene and then just stab our grandfather killing him in front of us damn dude so this is the uh this is the about to get your head chopped off moment from skyrim yeah except where we're already free at the mercy oh you can be moving around you just yeah oh. we're free at this point we're moving around are we, we, we have 
are we truly free if we're watching our if we have to watch our no, grandfather we're stuck on a walkway <laughs> um and and now that rebel dude that initially knocked us free activates one of the terminals which brings up a portal that we can walk mm-hmm. through to the end of the level and, and then the next level begins on the other side uh and we're chasing after so after our grandfather gets killed we look up and here comes Jen, our girlfriend, comes swinging by on the slab and goes flying further into the ship. And our goal now is to just chase after her and save her. Mm-hmm. And that is legitimately the main drive of Tommy for the rest of the game. That is the main motivation factor. That's what the game's about. Ah. Is saving Jen now that you are it, it, free. So it's consistently just saving Jen, not like oh, Jen gets your wow. character. Tommy is very much nose down saving Jen. Wow, that's respectable. That kudos to him. Really knows what he wants. Really knows <laughs> what he wants to do. Kudos to him. So I'm pulling up on on my str- on the stream that I'm showing you guys now. Pulling up some of the images from the game, and this is from release. Uh, or this is from okay. a year before release, but this okay. is I, after playing the game. This is basically what the game looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are like your grunt type enemies that you're seeing. Uh, the gun that he has is a shotgun, like poisonous gun type of thing. Um, I'm trying to get a good image of like the scenery because the scenery is really weird. Here's one of the guns, and you can see a lot of the design elements of the game was kind of, it, it feels a lot like what Dead Space would kind of go on and start to do a lot more of, which is kind of that, like, this weird organic growth over very metal and human creations. So the inside of the ship, of the sphere, it, it's not just all alien, gross, like, organy, fleshy stuff. And it's not just all human, hard angle, metal shiny you know cold bits it's this really grotesque kind of culmination of both of those into something that's really unique and that i haven't seen before um it's not a really good image of it yeah that's kind of a good example of it oh yeah so this screenshot here um and if i were to describe this uh it reminds me of a a halo area where like you're on the cliff side with like rocks right yeah. on like a uh like Except for those aren't rocks. <laughs> yeah, that's flesh, right? It's a, a very greasy looking wrench it got there, too. Yeah, yeah I, know. I know. That's the greasiest that wrench tooth? I've seen in a while. Is that a tooth on it from that guy? Yeah. No, I see this and I actually <laughs> I see Skyrim, which, and really? I mean that as a compliment to this game and like a diss to Skyrim for looking like poop <laughs> for its, for like the time that it was released. Uh-huh. Yeah, because uh, uh, this game for 2006 actually looks really good. Like when you first showed me the fucking the first screenshot, I was like, "Wait, did we move on to Prey 2016? The one of the alien?" Um, <clears throat> but uh, because you know we jumped from that first one where yeah, yeah, showing off the, the light the lighting engine in the corner there. If you take a look, <laughs> it's funny though the models. Was this game released for this game? This game came out for 360. Yeah. 360. Wow. It's very interesting now that I've said it to think that this game and Skyrim actually are on the same platform. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Man, it's only no, five that's, years. That's a mind blown, though. You know, that's like wow. So this image that I'm showing you guys now, this is our grandfather, Anissi. And the area we're in, you wouldn't recognize as the ship. And that's because shortly after we see our grandfather get killed in front of our eyes and Jen fly off and we have to chase after them. It's like right after that, as we load into the next level, we go around the corner and are we're, we're presented with this very precarious bridge that we need to cross. And it's being held up by almost like a crane like in one spot or like in two spots on either side. And as we start to cross it, enemies come out and shoot the, the things holding up the bridge. And oh. we go falling into this pit below us uh, into the darkness. The game should be over. We died. We fade out. We're in a coma. But it's not. Instead, we wake up here in what looks like a you know, southwestern United States kind of arid desert looking place and we walk around the corner and we come across a campfire and our spirit grandfather the the spirit of our grandfather Anissi comes out and speaks to us and tells us that uh, our Cherokee heritage has given us a power that that others don't have and that it is not our time to die, but instead it is our time to become the warrior of the Cherokee and to take up that mantle. Uh, and so we follow a little bit further in and we get a cool bow and arrow. And we get the ability to go into the astral plane and project ourselves spiritually out into the world, leaving our physical body behind. You know, not a not a thing I was expecting to happen, though I probably should have, considering, you know, it is a very, um, you know, Indian type, um, you know, character, yeah, right? Yeah, Obviously, yeah, that's you, a Native American, all right? Native American. <laughs> Native American. But my point still stands of like, I should be expecting this, right, with this type of character, right, being written. And yet I'm not. I'm not expecting like, oh, you now have this astral bow that you can now, you know, shoot people with, I hope. I hope. What is it's this? Not, and it's not a very good weapon. It's not like something you'll go into and feel like you went Super Saiyan. And we're like, <clears throat> you know, just taking people. No, it's not a very good weapon at all. You get much better weapons later in the game. And this is kind of where this, this game, playing it now feels like a very very advanced tech demo it mm -hmm. feels like they took a really cool tech demo and made it into a game not making a game out of the cool technology that they have because it's like this it's like this power where now you can go into the spirit world what type of opportunities and, and gameplay elements does this provide you mm -hmm. you think that you think that the possibilities are endless but in execution it ends up being go into your spirit form so you can go past this doorway that you can't in your regular oh. form and hit this button so that it activates the walkway for you to go further that's that's what the puzzles are in this game that's what those end up being is just hit the button unlock the path walk over the path interesting interesting i'm really i'm really the cherokee warrior now can't really can't can't wait to open that bridge. Can't really wait to open that bridge with my warrior status. And, to be feared. 
I wish that the that the Native American side of things came into it a little bit more. It doesn't really. It provides this kind of cool, like, thing to do, which is the spirit form. It explains how you die, like, the death sequences in the game, which we'll get into just in just a hot second. But the game really just doesn't go any further. It introduces the ability, like, it changes gravity. So one of the cool things in the original, like, base uh, tech demos of the game was that you could adjust gravity so that it wasn't just pulling down you can make it so that as you walked along a wall it would pull you in the direction so that if you were standing on the ceiling and someone was standing below you if you were on that surface it would look right side up to you so shifting gravity was a really big part of like the development and, and what the the engine could do back in the day and when it gets kind of made into gameplay elements for the final release it is super simple stuff like walk on the ceiling over there like activate oh the walkway is not activated let me turn into my astral form walk through this doorway activate it go back into my regular form and now i can navigate it kind of thing Mm -hmm. very very basic stuff yeah no kidding no kidding but I said I was going to talk about what happens when you die. This is an interesting concept as well. I think worked on paper doesn't quite work the same way in execution, but still an interesting concept. There's no lives. There's no game over. Uh, and you cannot die, essentially, in the game. Oh. Um, so what, he's immortal? Essentially. Uh, if his life bar or if his health drops to zero... Instead of dying outright, he goes into this spirit realm where it becomes almost like a little mini game uh, where these flying bat creatures will fly past you and they're either red or blue. And if you shoot the red ones, you get health back. If you shoot the blue ones, you get essence back for your astral form. But regardless, you're going to get health back. So there's no dying in the game. Okay. Which both makes it fun because you can't die and you're always in you're always engaged but also kind of makes everything trivial because it's like i don't need to sit here and try my ass off to beat this boss because if i die i'll just come back and can just keep wailing on it Mm -hmm. so it worked in theory which was the thought the theory was never have downtime always be playing But the execution ended up just being a system that trivialized your gameplay, you know, in real time. It trivialized the challenge that the game presented to the player. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now Interesting. They, they do some more cool stuff with the game. Uh, if you honestly, if you want to get into that, we can maybe go into a little bit more in a different podcast for a different show. But uh, there's a lot more elements and a lot smaller stuff that the game adds. It's kind of fun. Uh, kind of, there's some really cool elements with portals and and shifting sizes and stuff. Like there's a portion of the game where you go through a portal and it takes you onto this little tiny ball that's displayed in a, in the display case before you go through the portal that puts you on it. So you can see it in the display case. And then you jump through a portal and then you're on that tiny little thing that's displayed and an enemy comes running up to it in the room and he's huge and he looks at you 
and then he jumps through the portal and then comes to fight you on that that little thing that's being displayed cool stuff like that um but if you wanted to play the game or if you want to check out the game anymore you can still pick it up on the microsoft uh you know the microsoft game store on i think on xbox one i think you can get it on xbox one because uh, if you have the original disc for the xbox 360 you can slap that thing into your xbox and download like the four gigabyte patch and play the game uh you can download it uh you cannot though cannot play it on its original home on the pc unless you have an original copy uh, that's physical. There are no digital sales for the game on PC whatsoever. It is uh, what's colloquially known as uh, a piece of abandonware, where the uh, the title just wasn't continued to be updated and to be sold. And so it just kind of like Alan Wake kind of went through a similar thing. Scott Pilgrim went through a similar thing where it just it didn't get updated and didn't get carried, and so it just drops away. And gets abandoned. That's what happened to Prey 06. Just kind of dropped away and got abandoned at some point. Uh, before before the selling in 2009, 2008. So, if you wanted to play that now on PC, you have to you have to pirate it. Not that I'm saying that you should. It's the only way you can. Basically, we're forcing you to. <laughs> hey, we're not. Scott, <laughs> but, put the gun down. Scott, <laughs> no. No. Uh, but for story-wise, you know, it, it plays very very much like you would expect from a game where your main goal is to go save your girlfriend. Uh, every step of the way that you get, your girlfriend's dangled in front of you a little bit more. And it forces you to keep going and keep going as the, as the bait keeps getting pulled further and further in. Um, eventually, you do end up meeting the rebel forces. So I'm thinking about this now, right, while you're looking at this up. This this is basically a different take on the Mario Save the Princess type formula. Uh yeah, very much. There there is some there are very much elements of that throughout yeah. the game. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It, and it's it's not what I was expecting when we when we were like talking about this game, you know? Because the game what what you had shown me previously, um, it did look fun, right? And I thought there was more to it, like like most games now would have like, oh, you saved your girlfriend, but now you got to take down whoever, right? Or like in games like Bioshock, right, where you have to go, oh, fuck, I forget his name, um, like Andrew, was it? Like the main villain? Spoilers, by the way, for oh. a very old game. But, but no, Glass, wasn't it? Something Glass? Anyways. Yeah, but you basically take down the main villain, right, mm-hmm. after trying to figure out like how you got there, etc. Right. I wasn't expecting a direct like, oh, go save the princess. She's in another part of the castle. Yeah, that's Tommy's main goal. And that's <laughs> and, and remember I said that's Tommy's main motivation. As he continues through, he does meet uh the rebels and he meets their leader called Iluit. She looks like a like a shaman from D like a shaman like character from D D of like a cult that that worships like a sun god. She has like this big headdress and crazy things on it. Uh she wears like a very skimpy garb. It, it's and she looks nothing like all the other people that she leads. Uh, she's very kind of made to look different. And she tells us are also people who have been captured by the aliens. 
but they've escaped and that they have been collecting technology from around the ship to develop a machine with a portal back to Gaia, their home. And that last piece, that final thing that they need is only in a place that Tommy can get to. And that place happens to also be on the way to where Jen, our girlfriend, is being held. So Tommy is very simple. It's like, well, I'm not hel- I'm not getting out of here. I'm not going through the portal unless I got Jen. Mm-hmm. So we're still gonna help him, but we gotta get Jen first. Right, right. So they're just they're just dangling you a little more with, we'll help you get out, but exactly. Right? Like, and so we go save Jen. Very easy. You just go okay. to a lab, and there she is. She's inside a thing. You push a button, and like Mr. House, she comes out, and Jen's alive. And she tells us something we already know, but I haven't told you guys, which is the reason that we were being abducted by the aliens is we were brought aboard the sphere and we're being brought through. We're being killed in these terrible stabbing and and mangling ways. And the whole reason is that humans are the food for the thing in the sphere. Oh. Way back when, when humans were placed on this earth we weren't placed here as an experiment we weren't placed here as a to watch grow we were placed as cattle to populate what is a cosmic ranch with a space as our gates to stop us Uh we were put on this planet to populate overpopulate and now they are here for the culling and we are it's we are just being processed in the sphere. Well, damn, dude. So do we know if we're, we know that where there's like a resistance, but do we know if we're the only like group of people that they just up and swooped? Well, they're, they, they're abducting people all over. This is actually kind of one of the cooler things that the game does to t- kind of build that picture that there's a lot of stuff happening, not just in the Cherokee reservation but also Mm -hmm. around the world um way back in the day there was a show on nationwide late at night called coast to coast am and it was hosted by a guy named art bell if you don't know what i'm talking about if you haven't heard the show and you don't know who art bell is it is worth the look up because it is very synonymous with people in the paranormal worlds in the weird and you know kind of wacky stuff all everyone knows who Art Bell is. And this very famous radio program that ran nightly became famous for talking about those kind of off the reservation type of ideas like aliens and cryptids and you know ghosts and everything. Run the gamut, he talked about it. That was what made the show. Mm-hmm. But probably the most common and most infamous thing that he talked about were aliens. And so there are multiple times throughout this game when walking through the ship, you'll find intercoms that are still on that are intercepting radio signals from Earth playing Art Bell Coast to Coast episodes. Oh, except for those episodes are custom made recordings of him and fake interviewers for the events of prey that's really sick that's really sick i like that i really like that that's that's a nice touch 
and you can easily just miss it because it's just playing on the intercom. You can just walk right past it. I enjoy all that paranormal stuff. So when I heard Art Bell, I was like, radar went up like, whoa. <laughs> that that was one of the really cool things. Yeah, whoa, you can't put in this cool feature for me. That's illegal. But that, to answer your question, yeah, there's a lot more. To, it's going on across the world. It's not just happening uh, you know, in the, the isolated spot. There's mm-hmm. events happening all around the world. Okay. So is it just humans or is it other like um aliens? No. No, we 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 learn later it's not just humans. There are, oh. in fact, so that we learn about this alien called the Keeper. And around the same time that we learn about them, we start hearing things in our head. And this is before we meet Iloite. This is before we meet the rebels. And so throughout the game we hear this voice in our head talk to us taunt us kind of knowing where Jen is knowing about where the ship and everything that we're going is talking to us and we grow to believe it to be this thing called the keeper and this is a, this is what Iluit and the rebels tell us about is that there's an alien called the keeper that keeps the technology from them and is able to control the portals opening them to where they need to go stuff like that so we we think for the longest time that our main antagonist, like the person, the big bad boss that we're trying to aim for and beat is called the Keeper. But it's revealed after we beat him, we beat the Keeper and open up a portal only for it to get destroyed and blah, 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 you know, more plot stuff for us to have to keep going. But we beat the Keeper and it's revealed the Keeper is just an alien and there's a whole species of keepers and then he becomes a standard enemy that you now have to fight. <laughs> oh, wow. what? That's actually a really cool psycho. That is a really cool like way to introduce an enemy. It's a but really we still sick hear ride. the voice. Oh. Mm-hmm. So we now know that well, we know as a player or at least I kind of knew it was like, well, that's not the keeper. Tommy's just a dumbass and still calls it the keeper. Uh <laughs> And so even after we've killed the keeper and revealed there's a lot more keepers, he's the voice keeps talking to us and it's like a it's a woman's voice. It's like, oh Tommy, you can't do that, Tommy. And he's like, Keeper! Like that's I could have done the voices for Tommy. That's he he yells (laughs) that. Whenever you see the keeper in the scene, he always goes, Keeper! And then it that's runs away. (laughs) That's all he has to say. That's impressive dialogue on Tommy's end. It sounds like, like he's really sharp. It's the dialogue equivalent of like a, a pointer dog. <laughs> like Oh yeah, yeah. Like squirrel. Yeah. It just he and then that's and then, and then the keeper disappears and we're we have to keep going. Um <laughs> we are introduced to a couple more grotesque aliens. Uh some of them are like humanoid looking, but it looked like maybe they were experiments of humans and stuff like that, crossing kind of grotesque stuff that leans more into like doom uh or left for dead material than it does anything else that the game has set up prior right right but again we're tommy and the only thing we care about is is jen and now that the portal is broken and we don't know where uh illui and stuff is oh i didn't explain this this is kind of coming out of nowhere we find jen we go and find jen Mm-hmm. We save her. We get her out of her confinement. And then there's a broadcast on the screen in the room. It's of Illuit, and they're in the middle of a gunfight 
because uh, they have been found by the keeper. Oh. And so we we hop in a portal and go back to where Iloite was, only to find her incapacitated, bloody, and almost dying. And Jen stays with her, and we run off into the ship chasing after all the people and the aliens that have caused all the damage. And that's where we kill the keeper. But we lose Jen and Iloite. Okay. So now Jen okay. is again lost. We're still hearing the voice in our head. And Iloite and the rebels are out of the picture now. So all we really care about is getting to Jen. And this voice in our head keeps, again, dangling it in front of us and pulling it back. Dangling it in front of us and pulling it back. Until we finally do reach Jen. We do reach the area that she's in. And she's just so happens to be at the opposite end of what is a big open area that would be perfect for a gunfight. <laughs> a la Mass Effect. And Very we good. have a gunfight. <laughs> oh, fun. Oh, fun. Time see, to whip out the wrench. See, we get out to the... We, we open up the, the chamber that she's in. And as we do, what we see on the inside is that Jen Torso is great. And she's normal. But she can't feel her legs. And that's because everything from the waist down has been connected to a reptilian alien creature. And it now attacks us. And we are forced to now fight our girlfriend. We've been fight going through the whole oh. game chasing after. Man, oh man. Woohoo. What a turn. <laughs> what a turn, man. What a turn. And I, I'd be lying if I said it was a tough fight. It's not. Jen's not too strong. Um and when we gotta do it. Oh fine, thank you. <laughs> we gotta do it, you know. Weak. She's stupid, she's dumb, and she's <laughs> Well, we have to do what, you know, is expected mm -hmm. of us, and we defeat the alien, and then, you know, we have to kill Jen. Uh, now it's just, what do we got to go on? We got our girlfriend's dead. We have no way off the ship. This voice is taunting and laughing at us, telling us that we're the chosen one. We're the one. Mm -hmm. And now, so after the voice has taken us through all of this, she tells us, this voice tries to tell us that everything we've just gone through has been a trial. It has been a test to see if we're fortified enough to be the special one. And we don't know what that is. And she tells us, this voice in our head tells us, come to the top of the ship, Tommy, and face me. And so we do. Kind of with this motivated by anger and rage, we storm our way up like Doom Guy and reach the final scene where it looks like a good way to put this you would understand this scott it looks like futaba sitting in a sphere like not futaba herself but the image mm. of her in her like you know her costume oh right right kind of floating in this sphere that that rotates huh. around her and what we learn is that the sphere itself the machine the sphere is i may be getting this wrong correct me if i am guys but the sphere this machine that circles this living organism mass mm -hmm. is the sphere itself is controlled by a singular entity. And that entity, whatever it was originally or before the one we see before us, uh, chose this woman many generations ago to serve as the replacement. And this woman has reached the end of her life cycle and has chosen Tommy to replace her. So Tommy is now destined to be the one to control the sphere. Huh. 
And so, so Tommy, Tommy destroys the sphere or what? <laughs> damn right. Tommy goes, fuck that shit. And he starts shooting at her. We start <sighs> shooting at her. We start trying to shoot everything. Like, dude, we got nothing left to live for. Yeah, we're going to shoot her. Yeah, and it's, wow. It's in this fight that we're tricked. And it's by defeating her, we replace her. Oh. And so now we oh. we are we are taken up, we are absorbed up into the ball that she was just in, and we are now controlling the ship. And at this point we lose all control, the game is over, you know, for us. There's no more gameplay. What plays out to the end of this to the end title is Tommy gains control of the sphere and then he pilots it. Like we've piloted other things in the game. I skipped over those, but you get to pilot some ship, some spacecraft. It looks the same. Tommy grabs control of the sphere and turns it towards the sun. And like Superman on his dying days flies himself in and the sphere into the sun. And a la Iron Giant. Geez, huh? yep. and, and the screen goes white. And we find ourselves back in the spirit world with our grandfather Anissi. And at this time, Jen comes out as well in the spirit form. And Tommy learns that it is not yet his time to die. And he is then teleported back to Earth or something. And we find ourselves in the bar. But the bar is in a city and not on the reservation. And we're like working on repairing it. It's a very weird time skip. And then Anissi, like a portal opens in the bar, and Anissi comes out of it. Or not Anissi, um, Iluit, the rebel leader, comes walking out of the portal. And he Tommy's like, I thought you guys were dead. I thought I saw you guys die. She's like, you thought we died. The portal broke, but not before we got through. And he's like, cool. What do you want? <laughs> and they're like, the everyone is talking about you, Tommy. Everyone knows of your accolades. He's like, "What are you talking about? Nobody knows what I did here." And she's like, "Nobody knows what you did here, Tommy, but everybody knows what you did out there." And then the screen fades <laughs> to black, and then it, and then this is the best part. Instead of saying like "to be continued," because at this point in time, the second game's already in production. Upon release of the first game. The second game has already started production. Okay. So instead of saying to be continued on the obvious cliffhanger, it does the much more concrete thing where it says, Prey will continue. And then it got sold to Zenimax, and then it sat around for a little while, and then the IP got attached to something else that's alien. <laughs> so in a weird huh. way, it did continue. But I mean, uh, they went wrong. Yeah. It's just a funny ending. Prey will continue technically the truth <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm there's a part in it as well where because he's connected to the, this part truthfully i did not understand i thought this part was really ham-fisted into it. it's why i skipped it because it just doesn't make sense to me but i'm gonna bring it up because i'd be remiss if i didn't there is a portion of the story where the person who controls the sphere the the voice in our head is able to physically teleport into the spirit world so like when we die those couple times and we go meet our spirit grandfather and then at the end of the game we meet our, meet our spirit you know spirit girlfriend and all that stuff 
Mm-hmm. There's a part of the game where we go into it, and, and he tells us, this is like towards the very end of the game, and he, we go into the spirit world, and we're like, grandfather, I'm not ready. How am I going to be able to beat this big guy? I'm not ready. And he goes, you will learn, son. You will learn, Domasi. You will learn after the seven trials. And I'm thinking, bro, I know we are in like the back half of the second act, maybe the third act at this point. There's no way you're throwing seven trials at me at this point in the game. Yeah. And so you walk around the corner, you pick up like a, um, like a smoking pipe, like a, like a, uh, a ritual pipe or whatever they're called. You pick one of those (laughs) things up. And, like, instead of going through those seven trials, you hear your grandfather pick up the telephone line again in the spirit world and go, like, hey, Domasi, we're being invaded by uh, aliens. Come help us. <laughs> I'm not kidding. We run back out to the to the bonfire area, and our grandfather's doing, like, some crazy, like, anime force field something. You know, like, or, like, like Skyrim, like, you know, warding off a spell, throwing up a magic shield. And he's blocking aliens that have teleported into the spirit world and are now attacking the spirit realm what that's what i said it doesn't make sense it is so just like ham-fisted into the story that i don't know why they did it i don't know why they added this portion to it like it doesn't need to be there it's like just there to 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 inflate the time of the game that's why I didn't bring it up in the main part of it. It's just like you don't even need it. You don't even need it to make sense of what 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 happened and what you know what's going on. With yeah, the story. that's so weird. Yeah. What? Yeah. But that's pray. That's pray two thousand six for you. What a weird game. Yeah. The only thing that would be left is to cover the reception of it, but we kind of covered that earlier. Uh, it received really good reviews. Like I said, it had a second game that was already being developed. Uh, it had a iOS game that was really well received, back you know, as well as an iOS game can be. Um, and that was at a time before mobile games looked the way they do. It was more like a real FPS game on your phone than it was mm-hmm. a a mobile game as you would think about them nowadays. Right. But yeah, it uh. The second game never got developed, got sold to ZeniMax in 2009. ZeniMax gave the IP over to Arcane Studios, and we'll be talking about Prey 2017 next week. So if you're interested in that game, uh, tune in to the podcast, and we'll be talking about that game coming up on the next episode. I have a lot to talk about with that game. We're not going to cover the story. (laughs) Story is not going to be covered in the same way. But a lot of the narrative elements uh, and a lot of the stuff that I love about storytelling, we'll talk about a lot on that episode. Um, but yeah, that'll be next week. Uh, but other, after getting sold to ZeniMax, they, uh, they did their own thing with the game. And uh, I guess, though, really, there was one piece of Prey information from last year, if you could consider it Prey. But um, uh, last year in 2020... If we remember, Zenimax, Bethesda, and everything else that's under that name was sold and is now owned by Microsoft. Ooh, that's right. That's right. 
So this, I mean, Prey 2017 was a hot enough ticket that it'll probably, it, it, it'll receive something for sure. Uh, a sequel or something. It, it's really good. I'm looking forward to next week. But what do you, what do you guys think of Prey 2006 as we wrap things up? Man, that was, was a like different... a worthwhile experience. Yeah, that was different than what I thought it would be. But I, it's crazy, it's crazy that it's so recent and yet it, it had an episode. It, it underwent an episode of Lost Media already. Like its PC port is just commercially unavailable now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's funny. You think of Lost Media and you think fucking Mickey Mouse creepy pastas and shit that's old, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the only one that, like, in Lost Media that comes to mind was Scott Pilgrim before they remastered it. Um, but yeah, no, it, it it's also crazy to realize that that game and Skyrim were all on the same platform. I'm like, still, yeah, like, not true. over that. I'm still <laughs> not over that. I'm like, really? The 360 came out, what, 2004, 2005? 2004, I want to say. Because the PS3 came out in 2005. Later than that? I want to say a little later than that. 2005. Yeah, 2005. To me, that 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 strikes me as a Xbox, like an original Xbox game. You know, that strikes me as an original Xbox game. Well, and and that's why, like playing it, you know, you you made that comparison to Skyrim. But the thing is, is as soon as you start playing Skyrim, you realize Skyrim is so much more of a game. There's so much more meat to Skyrim than there is to Prey. For example, like Prey, Prey probably plays more like a hallway kind of a game. I'd imagine. Yeah. I can't imagine it being yeah. too too open. No, it's it, it, you get the whole it, world as soon as you leave the cave. You know, you're right. You know what came after this and and was like the final straw for 3D realms? Oh, jeez. Well, the, what, 3D really? realm, I I'll give you a hint. I told, it was earlier in the podcast I said, but 3D realms is responsible for Duke Nukem and Duke Nukem 3D oh, and those oh, Duke Nukem forever. Yeah. That oh, game, that that's a nail. That's a nail in the coffin so right there. So when you look at like Dude Nukem Forever came after this game, and then you view this game, and you see a lot of like not similarities, but you can see a lot of the like, the shortcomings of an FPS that we're starting to get used to at this point. This game came out on the same system as Skyrim, and Skyrim yeah. is arguably one of the most fulfilling FPS games ever made. Mm-hmm. This game doesn't compete with Skyrim when you start getting into it. But because look at also Portal came out in the same generation, but the Portal puzzles, like the puzzles that Portal created for you to deal with were so much better, so much more complex and so much more from the mindset of actually thinking with the problems, you know, thinking of problems with the mechanics that they have, not thinking of the most straightforward thing. I guess another thing to point out about this game that is important to the development of it. Um, and I guess it, it, at the end of the day, the way the levels and puzzles end up being is that they wanted this game to be a really hot ticket multiplayer game. And they developed it with the multiplayer side of things in mind. Um, mm-hmm. And they wanted it to play akin to like Quake or Unreal Tournament, those types of games. They wanted it to be on that level. And so a lot of their like designs, like the gravity stuff, right? Being able to walk up a wall and on the ceiling on designated paths that were lit up. That was an idea that they brought into the multiplayer. And so they made an entire map where it was only with that in mind. 
where there was no other gameplay element that they've presented. There was no portals. There was no flying. There was no this, that, or the other. It was just a map designed around the gravity walls. Um, and I don't think that the multiplayer took off. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd still hear about it. Yeah. That's a shame, too. But it was kind yeah, of... Yeah, that's a- when you look at FPSs, it's kind of on the back end of that era, and we're starting to mm-hmm. move into the Call of Duty FPS era of things, which mm-hmm. was a radical shift in the FPS kind of gameplay world, but that's a whole other podcast on its own. It is sad to hear about this game having to not get a sequel, you know? Um, I understand it was already in development, but like having the sequel not come out, because I'm, I'm truly interested to see what they were going to do with like the sequel for it, you know? Yeah, I was very interested. I would be more interested to know the narrative that they would have came up with for the second one uh, more than the gameplay. Yeah, absolutely. Because the gameplay takes us like a backseat here, you know, um, because we're, we're it's very Skyrim-esque. It's very, uh, you know, standard, what have you. Just move around, you know, Half-Life 2-ish, right? Um, I would say I'm more interested to know, like, what the thought process was of having the main character drive the fucking sphere into the sun and then have him be okay. <laughs> like, and then yeah, follow it up they, with... They did slap a lot of stuff together towards the end. Yeah, yeah. It it raises a lot of questions that we'll probably never get the answer to. You know? Not, um, and, not and like... It, yeah. I'm okay with it. Because I, I, think tw- <laughs> I think the game we're covering next week, Prey 2017 is a much better game and offers a much more uh, complete experience from narrative to gameplay to philosophy and history. It, it is a more complete game, and I'm I'm really looking forward to talking about that coming up next week. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you enjoyed today and you want to play Prey 2006, uh, you can pick that up on the Xbox One Marketplace. If you have the original 360 disc, you can pop that into any of your Xbox One, Xbox Series X, play that game today. Uh, PC, like we've been saying, you have to find a not-so-legal version, but they are out there. Uh, With a little bit of searching, you can still play this game as it once was. Um, And I encourage you to. It's a nice little piece of uh, history of the FPS genre. Um... If you enjoyed what you watched and listened to today, we have more episodes and content coming out every day uh, or every other day or every week. That's a bet. That's a more safer bet. There's a there's stuff coming. There's a stuff coming out one, a couple times every year. Yeah. Um, yeah. It comes out when it comes out. We got, but we got plenty of content over at the YouTube channel uh, that ranges from talk shows like this to games and tabletop stuff uh, that you may enjoy. Um, if you wanted to check us out, uh, Scott, where can they check you out in the meantime? Uh, you can go ahead and check me out over at twitch.tv slash scooty wins where, uh, five 30 PST to, uh, 10 to 11 PST. I will be streaming, uh, for about like five hours or so playing league of legends. Um, that's been pretty fun recently and having a lot of, uh, interactions. So you can find me there. Um, just about every day except for Sunday where we're doing this in place of uh, that. But um, that will be my resident home for the week. Yeah, you're pushing for affiliate right now. and Absolutely. Uh, every Absolutely. day it's looking a little bit better. Getting closer. We're getting closer on it. We're getting closer on it. 
Awesome. Uh, and Alfie, where can we find you yet? Or are you still elusive on the internet? Yeah, I've been, I've been slacking. Oh, that'd be a good username. I could be the elusive man (laughs) from mass effect. Um, yeah, I still want to do some uh, achievement hunting. Um, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to say for the third week in a row. Well, maybe this week, but <laughs> but maybe this week. Um, <laughs> I'll just fucking up and do it. It'll be like, it'll be fucking six twenty two on a Tuesday, and I'll be like, I'm streaming today. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see. All right. Well, uh, when you do do that, I'll I'll be paying attention and and try and get the word out as best I can through these uh through these microphones. Microphones, these <laughs> these ways, these, these these pipelines. Yeah, these. I'll, I'll I'll shout you out a week later on the sh- on the episode. Yeah, every day I odd. wake up. Every day I wake up, I scream your uh, your username as I fucking go outside and stretch. <laughs> uh, but that's gonna be it for us. If you want to check out anything more of myself, everything that I do is through the Paradise Podcast Network here on YouTube, on Twitter, and everywhere else. You can. That's where you can find us. Uh, but yeah, until next episode, until next week with Prey 2017, hope everybody has a good week. We'll see you in the next one.